I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome back to Inside Arsenal. It is Monday. I hope wherever you're watching or listening to this around the world, you're having a very good start to the week. A week, of course, that sees Arsenal return to Premier League action after their little mid-season break that they have had. They're due to come back from Dubai tomorrow to really start to gear up for that game against Crystal Palace on Saturday at the Emirates. What a big, big game that is for Arsenal. Have to get back to winning ways. Can't be dropping more points after, quite frankly, what has been a horrible little run since Christmas, uh, losing two Premier League games in a row and, of course, going out of the FA Cup as well. They've got to get back to winning ways against Palace at the weekend. Huge game at the Emirates. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show, look at potentially what Mikel Arteta might do team selection-wise, formation-wise as well. Um, got plenty of questions and comments from you guys. We'll look at what Mohamed Elneny's been getting up to in the uh, Africa Cup of Nations, which has got underway with some surprising results so far over in AFCON. Um, so we'll talk about that. Big day potentially in the Premier League as well with some announcement due over the profit and sustainability rules. Could well be another couple of clubs. Well, I say another couple. Could well be the same club, Everton, uh, finding himself in hot water again, Nottingham Forest as well, being tipped to potentially facing some kind of punishment for breaching those profit and sustainability rules. Um, don't think there'll be any issues for Arsenal, but we're expecting, of course, a uh, an announcement from the Premier League today over that. All clubs had to submit theirs by the end of December and uh, the results, uh, the announcements will come today if anyone has fallen foul of those rules. And I've got to talk about Karim Benzema. In fact, we're going to start with Karim Benzema um, today because I have to say, probably in the last 24, 48 hours, I have had more questions and comments across all of my various channels, you know, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, um, about Benzema than I've had about any other player in the last couple of months. Um, I brought just a couple of them here. One from Matt, get Benzema. Another one from uh, at 108 
you nine. Go get Benzema since he's fallen out in Saudi Arabia. Big game experience. Throw him in in the Champions League in the last 15 to 20 minutes in the Premier League. We don't need him for link-up play. Just get us goals. Even five winning goals in a six-month loan would be well worth the money. Also fulfills Arsene Wenger's long-standing interest in the striker. Um, now, for those of you who aren't aware, Benzema, it sounds like he's trying to potentially manoeuvre his way out of Saudi Arabia. He's over at Al Etihad. Um, he's done all right, scored a fair few goals. I think he's got nine in the league or something this season. Um, but he didn't turn up on time, I think is the exact exactly what's going on for um the club sort of reporting back to their bases. Um, and they were due to fly out, I think, yesterday to Dubai. Um, but because he has turned up late from the sort of Christmas break that the players have had, uh, Marcelo Gallardo, who's the manager of our Etihad sort of barred him from going with this squad to Dubai for their, you know, sort of, I don't know, similar to what Arsenal are doing basically over there at the moment as well, before the season starts up again over in Saudi Arabia. And that has led to lots of people sort of questioning whether Benzema is going to stick around, whether he's trying to get out and whether the club are going to be willing to let him get off the books and all that sort of stuff. And Arsenal has suddenly been mentioned all over the place. I've seen lots of people, you know, are you guys, you know, sending in your questions. I've seen people writing about it, saying Arsenal should go and get Benzema. Look, first of all, I don't think this is anything that is ever going to happen, not in a million years. Now, I've said that, it probably will, and I have a lot of egg over my face. But um, look, I, I cannot see there's any way, as much as you, a lot of you clearly want Karen Benzema, look, he's 36 years old. He is on unbelievable money. I think he's on about £100 million a year, give or take, over in Saudi Arabia. At the moment, even if he was willing to take a big pay cut to go somewhere on loan, that club would have to fulfill his wages or certainly a huge part of his wages. And we are talking mega money here that just money that Arsenal would not spend on a player who's 36 years old and um, or just any player, doesn't matter how old they are, just not going to spend that sort of money. So I cannot see any way in a million years this is going to happen. I also think from an actual footballing perspective as well, take the money out of it and all of that and the sort of football manager type vibes of the whole discussion, really. For me, and as Benzema is a wonderful player, has been a fantastic player for so long, did amazing things, you know, and he's shown in his mid to late 30s as well what he was doing at Madrid before he went over to Saudi Arabia, you know, how good a player he still was. He was improving as he got older. As soon as, you know, Ronaldo left Real Benzema stepped up. That extra responsibility was just fabulous in helping them win those European Cups and everything. But he's 36 years old. He's not. I don't. I don't. I don't look at Benzema now. He's been away at Saudi Arabia as well. Which, for all the good players have gone over there, the big names have gone over there. It is not a top level league at all. I cannot imagine he would come over in the Premier League right now, be in any sort of shape to really hit the ground running and make too big an impact for Arsenal. So I just don't. It's just not one for me. Despite the name, despite the obvious quality of the player, it's just not one for me. And it's not one that Arsenal would entertain it either. I just cannot see any any way of it. So as sort of romantic as it sounds, you know, finally Arsenal getting Benzema, fulfilling Arsene Wenger's long-standing interest in the player. It's just, I just cannot see this anyway. And I, I'd, I'd be surprised if too many of you guys actually genuinely thought it would be a good piece of business at this stage of the season. It's just, yeah, I think if you're going to go out and sign a striker, you know, Olivier Giroud, for example, I think would be a far smarter piece of business at this stage of the season than Karim Benzema. You know, not that Milan would be willing, I'm sure, to let 
Giroud go uh, on loan. But, you know, someone who's still playing at the top level in a very competitive top league and still scoring goals and can still do it. Um, you know, I think I, I think Giroud would make a far bigger impact to Arsenal should he come at this stage of the season than Benzema would if he came at this stage of the season where he's considering where he's come from and the sort of level of football he's been operating at. So, uh, yeah, it's not one for me, I have to say. And again, you know, it does feel a very football manager type suggestion, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't... If, if you are sitting there really hoping that Arsenal are going to make this move for, for Benzema, um, then, yeah, I, I wouldn't be too excited about it. I, I have to say, as, uh, as yeah... <laughs> as no, sort of fanciful a notion of it as it is in the uh, in the first place. Um, okay, so from one striker who is not at Arsenal um, to one striker who is at Arsenal in Gabriel Jesus, I thought Jesus's return to training over in Dubai is you know it's a clearly a big boost for Arsenal. Yes, I know he you know, people look at him and say he doesn't score enough goals and, and all that, but look, there's no doubt about it. When Gabriel Jesus is fit and he's playing, Arsenal are a better team. 100% they're a better team when Jesus was playing. He didn't play against Liverpool, of course, because he was injured. Havertz played as a central striker. I thought Havertz actually had a good game, apart from the fact, like every other player, he couldn't hit a barn door uh, when the chances fell to him. But I thought in terms of his actual performance all round, he had a decent enough game, which he completely, but he let himself down with his finishing, uh, which clearly is a huge part of being a striker and playing in that position. So you've got to take your chances. It was an interesting setup for Arsenal against Liverpool in that FA Cup game. They played more of a sort of, 4-2-3-1 type formation. Jorginho and Declan Rice were much more operating as a pair rather than one playing as a really deep high, deep lying midfielder and the other one playing alongside Martin Odegaard in the number eight roles. Um, and the back four played much more sort of like a rigid back four, to be honest. You know, you didn't see Kivior doing the inverted role as much as we tend to see with the Arsenal left back. So it was definitely a little bit of a shift in formation, I thought, from Arteta, a tweak in the system. And it's going to be interesting to see if he sticks with that coming up against Crystal Palace with the return of Jesus. Because obviously, if you do that, then Havertz, if Jesus comes into the team, which I expect he will, then Havertz is obviously not going to be playing as a central striker. And then it's, what do you do? Do you go with Jorginho and Rice, which I think is actually a really good partnership for Arsenal. And I, I've said before in the build-up to the Liverpool game, I thought Jorginho hadn't played enough recently. And I was happy he played against Liverpool. And I thought he played very well against Liverpool. Um, and I wouldn't be, I'm not sure I'd be taking um, Jorginho out of this team for the game. I, I would kind of stick with the team that played against Liverpool or stick with the system that played against Liverpool and just put Gabriel Jesus back in as a central striker and have Odegaard operating more as a 10, Saka and Martinelli either side and then Jorginho and Rice in the middle. Now, obviously, that might take away offensively a little bit from Arsenal because you're not going to have Kai Havertz there. But I think if you've got Havertz to come on in the second half, you can play as a central striker. Um, you know, if things aren't working, then it's a completely different option that, that you can that you can have. So yeah, I think it's going to be really intriguing in terms of what Arteta would do. And I'm going to, I'd love to get your thoughts on it in terms of how you think he should be setting the time side up against Palace. Would you revert back to the kind of 4-3-3 that we've come to know from Arsenal? Or would you try and stick with this 4-2-3-1 almost that we saw against Liverpool um, and try and sort of go with that for a little bit and see what, see what difference that makes? Personally, I think that's what he should do. Whether he will do it remains to be seen. But yeah, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Anyway, as I said at the start, interesting day coming up. Uh, by the time you're watching this, you might have already heard the uh, announcement or what the Premier League are going to come out. But we're expecting news on if anyone has 
failed the profit and sustainability rules or gone over the profit and sustainability guidelines. And it seems like Everton are expecting to learn that they have again. Obviously, we've already had a 10-point deduction for Everton this season in the Premier League. And they believe that they're probably going to be informed again today that they have gone over um, for the 2022-2023 season. And if they do, then we wait to see if there's going to be further punishment, further points deduction. It sounds like Nottingham Forest might as well. So all clubs, including Arsenal, of course, had to submit their accounts for 2022-23 by the end of December 3rd, at uh, the end of December last year, so the 31st. Um, normally it's done in March, but it's changed now and it was for, for December. And any breaches were going to be confirmed 14 days later, which is basically today. And then any club who's found to be in breach has a two-week period to respond to that. Doesn't No one's expecting Arsenal to, which is obviously good news. They, are, they have been, as we've spoken about, you know, it's quite sailing fairly close to the win. Lots of clubs have, but it seems like Arsenal are going to be all right. It seems to be the focus is on Everton and not in the forest as the two that could potentially break the rules again then any verdict's going to be taken by an independent commission and that needs to be decided before the end of the season I think by early April they would then sort of come back with their findings with the punishment that they would dish out and then that would leave room for appeal um, and the whole reason this has kind of been done differently is because the league want it to be if anyone gets punished they need to be punished in the same season they don't want it sort of dragging on until the, after the season's finished into the summer and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Could make have some big, big sort of impact on what goes on in the Premier League, certainly this season. Again, especially if Everton get fined again. But for Arsenal, we're expecting not much. Well, we're expecting nothing. And uh, and that's obviously a good thing because you don't want Arsenal being hit with a points deduction um, from it. But, yeah, for Everton, for Sean Dyche, could be uh, further troubles for them. They drew 0-0 yesterday, of course. Um, in the Premier League at home with Aston Villa. We'll talk about the sort of goings on in the Premier League yesterday a little bit later on in the show. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quickly, Mohamed Onani uh, played about 78 minutes yesterday in Egypt's First game at AFCON, 2-2 draw with Mozambique. That's last-minute injury time penalty from Mo Salah to rescue a 2-2 draw. Looked like they were going to lose that game uh, to Mozambique. I think I'm ranked about 110th, 111th in the world. It would mean a huge, huge shock um, had Egypt not got that equalised. Even so, 2-2 draw is a bit of a shock. It only played about 78 minutes before coming off um, for them, so no injuries. Tommy Asu didn't play for... Japan over at Asia Cup, which has also got underway. Japan winning, but Tomiyasu didn't play. I think the next up against Iraq um, on Friday. Um, we haven't had any sort of explanation come through as to why Tomiyasu wasn't involved at all. Arsenal sort of put a thing out on their website about it, just said he's that 
building up his fitness ahead of the game against Iraq on Friday. So I don't think there's any sort of injury issues with Tommy Asu. Fingers crossed there isn't anyway. Um, but yeah, he hasn't been in action yet. Mohamed Elneny has. <laughs> I have to admit, when they were 2-1 down against Mozambique yesterday, from a purely selfish point of view, nothing to do with Elneny. It was more to do with Mo Salah. I was just like, oh, please, get a goal. Do not, I do not want Egypt going out early, purely because Liverpool play Arsenal at the Emirates at the beginning of February. And I do not want Mo Salah back for Liverpool for that game. So I want Egypt to go as far in the competition as they can. Uh, I know that will leave Arsenal without Mohamed Elneny, but fingers crossed with the midfielders they have, that's not going to be too big of a miss for Arsenal. I'd much rather be without Mohamed Elneny when uh, Arsenal play Liverpool than uh, have Mohamed Salah back for Liverpool in that game. In terms of the Premier League, obviously two games yesterday, 0-0, Aston Villa and um, Everton. So that saw Villa move a further point ahead of Arsenal. They're now three points ahead of Arsenal, but Arsenal would have a game in hand, so they would go above them if they win against Crystal Palace at the weekend. Spurs missed out on the chance to go above Arsenal. 2-2 draw at Old Trafford yesterday against Manchester United. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the picture there of McTominay with that miss in the injury time. Glorious chance to win it for United. Would have been a very fortunate win for United. They were dreadful. I thought United scored two very good goals, to be fair, although the defending was awful for all of the goals in all in the game. It was a mad game, really. Just dreadful defendings at, at times. Tottenham are definitely the better team. thought they played pretty well, Tottenham. I think some of the um, praise that they got after the game was a bit over the top. It seems to be, you know, anything Tottenham do this season, they get a lot of praise. I thought they played some nice football, but United were dreadful. They were there for the taking. It doesn't matter how many players Spurs are missing. I know they're missing a few, but so are Man United. And Spurs really let United off the hook yesterday. They should have won that game. And um, I, I thought they'd be kicking themselves on the way home for failing to win that. For Arsenal, it was a decent result. Of course, it stopped Spurs moving ahead of them. And if Arsenal win they, against Palace at the weekend, they open up a three-point gap against Spurs and will certainly move to... Um, move up to third in the Premier League um, at the moment. So they're still just about hanging on in the top four, but it is very, very tight. Those two defeats after Christmas have certainly seen Arsenal's sort of nice little cushion they had over a few teams disappear. And that's, as I said at the start of the show, that game against Crystal Palace at the weekend, absolutely massive. Okay, moving on to some questions and comments from you guys. In one here from sort of Rara Freaks. Is anyone who recommended, who recommends uh, Garassi hasn't seen a game from him. Um, I mean, I, I really haven't seen enough from Garassi. Obviously, yesterday I had someone saying that Arsenal should be going for him. Lots of people think Arsenal should be going for him, but obviously Oral Freak doesn't. Um, but he says, I hate the talk if Arteta doesn't trust the youngsters. We don't have a player who even plays for the national team, not even regular for the under-19 or so teams. We just don't have a player like Bob. He's talking about, obviously, Manchester City after Bob scored the winner against Newcastle. Yes, it's Patino, but he can't even get a lot of game time at Swansea. He should tell you everything. I think Patino's his game time has dried up a little bit at Swansea. Um, I think the change of manager obviously probably might not have helped him. It tends to be tends to happen a lot with lone players when one manager brings a player in and then another manager replaces him mid-season. He's still getting game time. And I still think he's having a decent loan spell at Swansea. I do agree that the talk about Arsenal's youngsters and Arteta, it seems to be a big thing at the moment. Obviously, he has take, hasn't taken opportunities to give some youngsters some game times. Um, the PSV game was the most notable one at, at the most. As I said at the time, I thought that was a big, big missed opportunity. But I do think you have to you have to put everything in context a little bit when you talk about someone like Oscar Bob, who is, you know, and the thing with Manchester City, they do, they go across, they kind of do what Arsenal used to do under Wenger when Arsenal scoured Europe, spent big money on bringing in youngsters and putting them in the academy. You know, the best youngsters from anywhere in the world, putting them in the academy and coming through is how Arsenal benefited from the likes of Bellerin, Sesk, all those sort of players 
who came through. Um, you know, Manchester City do that now. Arsenal have stopped that. They've moved away from that. They don't really do it. You know, they don't go out and just sign the best players from abroad like City do. They're just an absolute machine in how they operate. And so they have these players like Oscar Bob. He's already in full international um, and is 20 years old. So I think it is very different when you're saying, oh, Arsenal should be playing Wanieri, Mars Lewis, Skelly, Cozy Dubry because Pep's playing Oscar Bob. It's very different. They, these players at Arsenal are 16, 17 years old. Oscar Bob's 20 in a full international. So I think you do need to contextualise it a little bit when you're talking about it. As much as I do think that Arteta has missed some big opportunities to play some youngsters at the moment. But those youngsters that I'm talking about are not on the same level as Oscar Bob. I'm pretty sure that if Art Arsenal had Oscar Bob right now in the squad, he'd be getting some minutes, more minutes. Certainly, he would be getting a lot more chances to play than the current youngsters at Arsenal, given their age and lack of experience. Uh, here's one from John. says, Arsenal don't have to worry about Kevin De Bruyne because this title race is City versus Liverpool. Arsenal need to worry, be worrying about top, finishing top four. I mean, Arsenal couldn't take advantage of City without KDB out for months. So that shows you Arsenal aren't serious title contenders. Pep in his post-game never once mentioned Arsenal. It was immediately about having to stay in touch with Liverpool and how they still have to go to Anfield. Rodri made similar comments. City are never really worried about Arsenal. Interesting one. Not sure it's true. I would say City probably are worried still about Arsenal, or maybe not worried is probably not the right word, but keeping an eye on what's going on at Arsenal. Look, Arsenal had a bad, bad run of results. They did. They were taking advantage of City without KDB up to Christmas, and they've had a bad two results. It's not even really a run. I don't know if two, you know, when you, when you talk about the league, is two. But they've had some bad results, and they have to get, they have to bounce back. It's as simple as that. And, you know, we can talk about Liverpool, we can talk about Man City, but for now, Arsenal just got to worry about themselves and get themselves sorted. Because if they do, if this run continues now, when they come back, then yes, it is going to be a two-horse race. It's not, Arsenal are not going to be involved in the title race. But I don't think yet that City will not be thinking about Arsenal and Pep will not be thinking about Arsenal. That's why I said, when I did a video at the start of last week, when I was talking about, is it crisis time yet? I don't think it's there yet. But if they don't respond very, very quickly after this break, then it will be. The, the the season will just start to drift away, certainly in terms of the league. And then it will be all about the top four rather than the title. But I don't think yet, I'm not anyway, ready to wave goodbye to title chances yet. I still think there's a, a possibility there for Arsenal, but they have to respond very, very quickly right now. As as a, as much as seeing Kevin De Bruyne back for Manchester City is a very, very worrying sight. But I'd love to get all of your views on that. Are you guys in now just thinking about a top four battle for Arsenal or do you still think titles they are... Uh, something for them to go for. Uh, lastly, actually, is it lastly? No, I have another one. So we've got two. Here's one from Chris who says, I have a question. Why do Arsenal always quick to, uh, kick towards the North Bank in the second half? Surely it's in the opposing team's interest to have us kick that way in the first half. Is there an unwritten rule? There's not an unwritten rule. It's just obviously that's the way Arsenal like to kick in the second half. It can happen that you get, depending on who wins the coin toss, when the ref does it at the start of the game, sometimes the opposing teams do swap over. You do see it happen. It's the same with Liverpool when they kick towards the cop. Man United, when they kick towards Stretford end, um, that's just how it goes, isn't it? And sometimes you do see it sort of flipped around, but very, very rarely. I think at the Emirates as well, the opposing teams probably like to kick towards the away fans in the second half as well. So if they let, if Arsenal kick towards North Bank, it means they're kicking towards their fans in the second half. So they just leave it as it is. But the captain can choose to swap it around, um, but it, you just don't, ha don't really see it happen very often. Um, here's one from Matt to end this. He says, I'm not expecting any movement from Arsenal this January in or out, though in the same breath, I do feel Arsenal will be primed 
for if any market opportunity does pop up, they would be silly not to do so. Correct. I think that's a good way to look at it. I feel Arsenal's true wish list by the end of January is to have a fully fit squad with the players available and to condense together for the second half of the season. Summer will more likely see a lot more movement in and out of the squad. So let's see. Again, correct. Looking ahead to Palace, the result is the main thing. They're hoping to see a really energised team. Again, the performance has to be there. Let's hope we can find the back of the net. Uh, a good few times in this one. Yeah, I think the performance is going to be really interesting for Arsenal against Crystal Palace. Uh, thanks very much for that, Matt. Um, the result is clearly huge for Arsenal. They've just got to win. 100% they've got to win. It would be perfect, though, if they put on a really good performance, similar to what they did in the first half against Liverpool, which was a really good performance, I think. But the most important thing, score some goals. You know, If Arsenal come back, beat Palace 4-0, if Saka gets a couple, Martinelli gets a couple, Jesus scores, whoever... But Arsenal just score a few goals. I think they can really start to look forward again into the second half of the season. That's what I was talking in that comment earlier. I don't think it is just a top four race for Arsenal. I still think the title is a realistic thing. That's what they've got to be aiming for. And it's what they will still be aiming for. But they've just got to get back to winning ways really, really quickly and score some goals and just lift that confidence that confidence up. And hopefully they're going to come back, as you said in that comment, Matt, re-energised from Dubai from this break and ready to go again. And then if they can get a couple of goals early on in that game, get a nice win, then, you know, look forward for the second half of the season with some optimism as well. So thank you very much for everyone for watching and listening. Appreciate your time as always. Be back tomorrow as we really start to gear up. Haven't heard yet when Mikel Arteta's press conference is this week. I presume it's going to be Friday. The players are due to arrive back from Dubai tomorrow. So I presume with the game on Saturday that the press conference is going to be a Friday one, but I uh, haven't had yet the email confirmation from Arsenal in terms of the team, uh, in terms of the timings for that. Have a very good Monday, wherever you're watching or listening to this. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 